0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pass to work
1: quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. Touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Nims. What a catch by
0: Denzel Nims! And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania, The first ever in-person edition of the Cool Your Jets podcast. Um, For people who want to watch, you can go to the Jets X Factor YouTube channel. Michael and I built a multi-million dollar set in studio. Very high budget here. Yeah, with the money that Jets X Factor gave us. So... Um, you can see our pretty faces. I think the last time we were on camera was the John Franklin Myers interview, yep. and my hair was like down to here, so now it's all buzzed off. I had my Britney Spears moment. Um, <laughs>
1: this is a good reward for everyone. I think we're definitely worthy, camera worthy. I, I,
0: they, think, I think we both generally have faces for radio, but yeah. you know we'll get used to it. I, that has been a, a common request bec- uh, for the people who watch the YouTube, is that there's never any video. It's always just the, the CYJ logo. So we're trying to come through. We'll see if this sticks. Um but yeah, we, we asked people for a mailbag. It's a very special occasion. Michael came up to Syracuse, um, and obviously the draft wound down a week ago. And this past weekend, rookie minicamp, so we've gotten all the shots of the rookies. A lot of drama and controversy over Zach Wilson's number two jersey. Michael, yeah. how do you feel about that? I have,
1: I have mixed feelings. I've gone back and forth. I was on the bandwagon of wanting him to stick with number one. I just I like the symmetry of the one yeah. in this jersey. Like I know some people don't like it because it's just a straight line. But I feel like the symmetry really works. Like, on the shoulders, it's just, you know, straight, like, perfect symmetry. That really works for me. But the number two has kind of grown on me. It has a Derek Jeter sort of feel to it. As a Yankees fan, I approve of that. So, I like it. I do like it. It doesn't have great history with NFL quarterbacks From That's a good thing. Ryan Hoyer, Johnny Manziel, but gives them a good chance to, you know, just like he's going to change the fortunes of the Jets, change the fortunes of the number two. So, I do like it. I think it's an above-average quarterback number. I did prefer one. I'm okay with two, though, but
0: yeah, I wish, have some opinions. I wish that James Morgan didn't wear number four, because I think he'd be a great number four. I also yeah. think number eight, but I, I guess I kind of like Elijah Moore in that. Eight
1: would have been good, but it's great for Elijah Moore. Yeah. But I could see the eight.
0: Eight and nine, I would have liked. Nine, yeah. No no double the, digits, though. These are the, the, the football topics that, that we talk this about This is really May.
1: important stuff.
0: Well, luckily, we actually have some real football to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just hop in the mailbag. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions. Again, you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter to, to find these and tweet at us. Um, next time we we do one, we'll we'll definitely uh, add a lot more. I think we have twenty in this one. This is a big one. We're gonna try to fly through it. We say we're gonna fly through every, every single time. time,
1: every single time. We're gonna we're gonna do quick hitting. We're gonna answer these right. really quickly.
0: The the goal is to answer these as fast as possible, yeah. but still in depth. Some so of we'll them we'll do
1: under twenty minutes per
0: question okay. this time. From at NFL Anguish, uh, Joe Douglas literally built an offense in two drafts: Denzel Mims and Mekhi, and uh, Elijah Moore, Makai Beckton and uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, And Zach Wilson, if Michael Carter can hit the ground running as a fourth-round pick, this could become the best young offense in the league. Have we ever had a homegrown offense like this, like ever? I mean, certainly not in the last decade. I I mean, I think let's pump the brakes and best young offense in the league. I think it certainly has the potential. I think I've been saying this for a while. After next year's offseason, when they have all those draft picks and the third most cap space, I think that's when they can really make a jump. I'm generally pretty optimistic. I'm trying to temper my expectations, but I agree. I mean, this is a really exciting offense. I mean, mean, even just in terms of facts, this is the first time the Jets have drafted a
1: quarterback and a wide receiver within the first two rounds of the same draft. And you throw in Vera Tucker. So they already haven't really put this much investment into offensive skill positions this early in one draft. So just that alone is history. Um, And then some of the other pieces they already have with Becton, Denzel Mims. So I think this is definitely up there. In terms of franchise history, but the development is what matters most because right. sometimes your talent. Look at the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they traded up for him, they drafted him first round, but Tyreek Hill coming at late in the draft. A lot of star running backs in the league aren't first round picks. You no, know, like Michael Carter at the Jets, but sometimes your talent doesn't necessarily correlate with how much you invest into it. But factually, the Jets definitely. I don't think have ever put this much investment right. into the homegrown offensive talent
0: every year. And like, even if you listen to us last year. I am generally pretty optimistic yeah. and I am, you know, I, I'm buying into the young players developing. I think this is the first time in the last decade where I actually have reason yeah. to. I really do believe in Joe Douglas and I really believe in Robert Sala. I'm just, I, I'm sick of, of, you know, thinking the Jets are going to do something great and then them just under delivering yeah. the entire season. So I'm not going to hype it up, but I agree. I think right. just the investment.
1: Yeah, and, it, it feels warranted. It feels, it is kind of hindsight because we all. Really did feel optimistic with Darnold, Darnold Darnold-Era Sanchez, even Geno at times, but this is legitimate. They just have not invested this much into the offense and been as frugal and smart and competent in the front office in the head coaching spot and the entire coaching staff in really recent memory. So it feels legitimate to be optimistic this time around. Yeah,
0: I would say that the biggest difference is the coaching staff, which we haven't seen. But I do believe that they'll be able to develop them. And then, yeah, the premium uh investments in the offense is certainly encouraging but we'll, we'll temper our expectations um from at Hosmot 25 does cam clark exist um he does i think there, there are some pictures of him yeah. on google um, don't know what so number he does he exist
1: um that we can answer will he ever play football for the jets i certainly hope so but it, i think he's a big winner from this draft class because them not adding another guard after the first round opens that path for him. I think it's him, Van Roten, and Feeney will probably all have a chance to win that starting guard spot opposite Vera Tucker. So he's a big winner from the draft. He'll have his chance this year. What I always come back to is, was his 2020 season him not playing? Was that a planned decision? He was going to redshirt, not play no matter what? Or was he really that bad in practice to where he couldn't beat out Josh Andrews, Pat Elfline, to get on the field? We don't know, but I think he'll clearly have a chance this year. So it's a pretty good sign for him that they didn't feel like they had to force an offensive line pick after the first round. Yeah, the
0: fact that Joe Douglas didn't take another one, especially when Trey Smith was falling, who's kind of a similar player to Clark would have been on the left side. Who actually ended up getting taken with a pick by the Chiefs that the Jets traded in the swap with them. So that's interesting. Well, I, yeah, I just think that the fact that they didn't take one means that Joe Douglas really believes in him, and he yeah. was a fourth-round pick. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, all, obviously all day three picks are pretty much a crapshoot, but fourth round is kind of the last round where it's like you could feel pretty confident yeah. with the guys you picked And like we got Michael really Carter this year. There. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess Michael Carter fell a little bit, but yes, I do think he'll play. I think he'll have a chance to compete to be a starter. I don't think that's just Greg Van Roden right. or Alex. And Lewis he should Stone. definitely play the season because he'll be a top backup right. guard. Yeah, I, I I would say the expectation is that he yeah. uh, is that he plays. Um, from at and Nose fourteen, realistic production expectations for our wide receiver core this year, particularly Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore. I guess start with Mims. What are you kind of expecting yeah, from? Mims I, this year? I
1: feel like we're gonna see a good balance with the target distribution this year. I don't I know Corey Davis got the big deal. Denzel Mims has that number one potential, but I feel like we're gonna see a really even spread. There are it's a super deep wide receiver group. Running back use some pass catching options with Coleman and Michael Carter. Um, tight end obviously isn't too deep right now hopefully Herndon can emerge but especially wide receiver I think we're gonna see some even distribution so I think more so than hoping Mims or Davis can be in a thousand yard guy I think you're hoping to get 800 yards from Davis 800 from Mims 800 from more then a lot from the running back position and then maybe a couple 500 yard guides with Crowder as a depth piece maybe now than um, then Keelan Cole in there. So I, I really think that they're going to shoot for some even distribution among the wide receivers. But Mims does have a 1,000-yard talent if they do get to the point where they trust him to hog a lot of the targets. But I don't see this being that kind of offense personally. But if he's that good, develops that much, gets that sort of chemistry with Wilson, I could definitely see him pushing that. Or Davis. They both have that potential.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, Mims is – there's a few players every year where you – Quinn Williams was the biggest example last year, where it's like, can they take the big jump? I think Denzel Mims has a good chance to. I mean, for the first time in forever, it is kind of a somewhat crowded receiving room. Um, I I think as far as production expectations, I don't I don't think we should get too into the stats, yeah. but I do yeah. think that um, at just at this point in May, um, I think Mims is is a special receiver. I think he's a special talent. I think his type of receiver is a really good fit with Zach Wilson. Right. You know, that's kind of the Dax Milne type of receiver that he saw. I think you're going to see him get a lot of jump ball opportunities and those contested catches uh, are what he really thrived at. I really, a lot of Jets fans kind of wanted them to go after Kenny Galladay at one point and that would have made no sense to me because Kenny Galladay is exactly who you want Denzel Mims to be and that's his role in this offense. And in the LaFleur and Shanahan system, they don't really have that big body possession receiver. I I think
1: you have... Top to bottom, really great compliments for Zach Wilson with these right. contested guys. So in terms of production, I wouldn't expect too much in terms of any one guy breaking out and taking over, putting up big numbers. I would expect to see really even distribution in terms of the production among this yeah. group. That's what
0: I'm probably expecting. I think that's that's a really good point. Yeah. I think Zach Wilson's going to share the ball. I don't think it's going. He's going to. He'll have a safety blanket or whatever, but I don't think it's going to be one of those things where one guy has yeah. you know 120 catches and the next guy is 70. Like I think you're going to see a very even distribution um i think you know we'll see as far as moore's production i am very curious to see how they use it i think he's a good example of a guy who as the season goes on is going to get a lot more reps right. i think at the start of the season uh i could very much see the scenario where jets fans are calling for more elijah yeah, Moore. it's gonna um, happen where that's gonna happen. i think he's gonna be used a lot on kick returns and gadget plays and end arounds and um as soon as he shows anything on the field i think that that's when he's gonna get you know, maybe he'll start over Crowder at some point. Yeah, he'll
1: be year. a big part of it, but I could see, like, starting next year, that's when he could really see, like, 120 targets in the season. This right. year, I think he'll be a part of the mix. Next year is
0: where we could see him become the guy. Yeah, we just want we just want some fun highlights. Yeah. That's all we really care about. Um, at Big Dogs, 1318 says, Do you think this coaching staff will use John Beck as a resource in the offseason, like the Bills did um, with Josh Allen and Jordan Palmer? Adam Gase and the Jets organization never reached out to him during an offseason workouts. Do you think they regret that? Uh, you know, I don't. Jordan Palmer's works with some great quarterbacks. Uh, clearly, it didn't really work out with Sam Darnold. I don't know how much of that is on him versus the Jets. Probably more so the Jets. I, I think they do have a, a good room around. Yeah, him, especially I, if they had a veteran. I, I think mean,
1: I, there might be another question that touches on this,
0: but I think they do
1: have a good, much better, co- uh, quarterback coaching staff in the building
0: than mm, they did with Darnold. Let's well, there's yeah. The next one is at cd at cd underscore two k says, given that Greg Knapp. Looked to be working with Zach and was the coach for Steve Young and is well-respected. Uh, do you think they still need a veteran quarterback in that QB room? Um, he was initially not so sure, some, but now he thinks that somebody like Knapp, it, since he's working so closely with, with Zach, maybe that veteran right. presence isn't necessary. Bringing in a Brian Hoyer. Yeah, it looked like, like Greg that. Knapp was the guy working
1: with Wilson the most in practice, and he's been a part of a lot of great success throughout his career. So I think they do have a better group in place than Dowell Loggins.
0: Uh, The group they have just was not I think the the one thing to remember is that the difference between Jordan Palmer and Sam Darnold and John Beck and Zach Wilson is that a year ago when the pandemic started, Zach Wilson went to John Beck and started training with him religiously. And then we saw this big jump. So clearly he found something that worked with Zach. So I expect Zach to keep working with him in the off seasons. Um, and I think you'll see that growth. As far as the in-season stuff, I think they'll probably stick to their coaching staff. But I agree. I think there should be some sort of yeah. communication. Like, what do you? I, yeah. I expect there to be that. I, I think, think that's what's important. Not necessarily that you want
1: them to be too connected, but there should be a good communication. I don't really feel like the Jets had right. that with Darnold. And, Darnold and Palmer and then the team, the coaching staff, there didn't really seem to be a connection there. It seemed completely separate. So just to have a good connection there, just a communication in terms of let's work on stuff that – uh, is applicable to our scheme, our offense. That's what's important,
0: I think. All right, at Ray Patel, twenty-five. Ask stat line expectation for Wilson. Which again, it's May, so we don't want to get too into it. But what do you think is a fair, reasonable touchdown interception ratio to expect from a guy like Zach Wilson, um, who's coming from a small school, yeah. didn't really turn the ball over much in college, right. was a high touchdown guy. But you know, when we had our podcast a few weeks ago uh, when we did the deep dive on Wilson. The sentiment was like he may struggle a little bit in his rookie year. He's going to flash, but yeah. he may turn
1: the ball over a lot. So for me with rookie quarterbacks, I never like to put too much of an expectation on it because it's very rare for rookies to be good. You no, know, we've seen it a little bit more recently. Justin Herbert set the bar really high last year, but that's more of an exception than the rule. In general, rookie quarterbacks are bad and it doesn't really mean too much about their future. Look at Josh Allen. Look at um, there, there are just so many examples. A lot of rookie quarterbacks barely play. Um, Lamar Jackson took a big leap Uh, it's very rare to see rookie quarterbacks play well so I usually don't want to put too much of an expectation on it but I think it also is important when you look at the list of rookie quarterback seasons if you're really bad then that can that can put a damper on your future your odds Josh Allen was able to overcome it but he's an exception in general you just want to be not terrible that's what I'm looking for like like what Sam Darnold did as a rookie obviously didn't work out here but that cleared the bar for me there were flat he started off rough but he had a couple of good games here he alternated between great games and awful games so ultimately he wasn't good that season but you saw a lot of flashes right. where he could be good yeah so that's what you want to see. yeah hey, like, he still I could just, be and he still could be absolutely he could but you know live up to the that. rookie
0: season wasn't why he failed it was right. like he that came is out not of the why games.
1: he failed his second season is not why he failed it was falling off in the third year but that's what it is for me I, you want to see like at least four or five games of that's why be drafted him number two that's the biggest thing for me so in terms of stats on the season i do think he is going to throw a lot of picks early it's just because of his play style it seems like he's going to be that type of guy so let's look for i think positive is where you want to be right. Darnold put up 17 15 let's shoot for let's shoot for 20 and 13 i think that's a fair
0: place to start if he could do that that'd be great yeah i think, I think he's so exciting that like There is a scenario where he comes in and throws twenty-eight touchdowns. He could have a Justin Herbert type of year, right? Especially in this offense and the way the Jets have built around him, like they didn't build around Darnold and the other guys. I agree with you. I don't want to put. uh, He's the the question is expectation. Yeah. Not you know could I see this? Could I envision this happening? As far as he
1: can do anything, but just in terms of expectations, do not expect anything. Rookie quarterbacks are generally.
0: Bad. You just don't want him to to see him be Josh Rosen type of right. bad. Here's here's yeah, exactly. I, I think what you laid out with Darnold is fair. I would say, and I don't think there's been a Jets rookie quarterback since I've been watching that didn't have this happen, but every rookie season, and clearly it happened to Darnold multiple times, and then the ensuing seasons, they have these games that are just absolute nightmares. Yep. For Darnold his rookie year it was the one in in Miami. For Sanchez, I remember it was the home game against uh Buffalo, where he threw like five interceptions, and, but Thomas Jones ran for like 200 yards, so yeah. it's still a close game. Um, I think Zach Wilson's going to have a few bad games. I think just the hope is that if he's going to have a game where he throws three interceptions, let him also throw two touchdowns. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, Trying to avoid those absolute just hopeless games yeah. where they can't move the ball. And he
1: might have one or two of those. So don't don't let it snowball. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Can't yeah. carry over
0: game to game yeah. if it does happen. I think it's fair to say... Clear the bar of twenty touchdowns. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, passing touchdowns and then interceptions. Try to keep it under thirteen. That's what I would yeah. say. Um, from at myj Mike, uh, who wins in one game the two thousand six Jets versus the two thousand fifteen Jets? Thank you, thank you, Mike. Other Mike, what do you think? We were. I mean, I was six when. Yeah, they, we're gonna have some recency bias here. I will say, when we first started doing a podcast and I would make a remark like that, I think there's probably a portion of the the, the viewership that was like, "Oh, these kids don't know anything." Yeah. But, may I remind you that Zach Wilson and I are the exact same age. We're both 21. So I guess you're just old. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching the team. I just didn't – I remember games from 2006, but it wasn't until 2008. Yeah. It was the Brett Favre year where I, like, remembered every name. and.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go with my recency bias. I'll take the 2015 team. I feel like that team could have made a run if they got in. Um, the receiver talent with uh, Marshall and Decker was on another level. The defense, the defensive front was great. Secondary's playing well. I like that team. 2006 had plenty of talent as well. This is a close one. Two
0: ten-win teams. Um, this is hard. They'll tie. I think they the tie. 2015 team was a lot streakier. Yes. So they're a lot more inconsistent. Yep. So it kind of depends when you played them. Um, if this is a playoff game, I'll take the 2006. They didn't have an extremely easy schedule. Right. That's if, this, if this is a playoff game, I'll take the 2006 yeah. Jets, even though they they lost in the playoffs. But. If this is a regular season game, I'll take the 2015 yeah. Jets. But I think this is a better question for our viewers. So tweet us at CYJpod. Yeah. By the way, thank you to NYJ Mike for the question. Who wins the 2006 Jets, 2015 Jets? If you've been watching both teams and you can give yeah. a better explanation. But I think I think just the streakiness, it's kind of a split. It, it would be a close one. Yeah. From at Kenny Delgado S, Hamza or Jamian? And he's re- obviously referring to the two. He's referring to the two safeties that the Jets took that they're converting to linebackers Personally, and I don't know if this is just bias because when PJ came on the show, he was a big Hamza Dean fan. Um, I kind of want to lean Hamza. He's a little bit more exciting for me because he was a guy that I feel like just fell because of the injury concerns. I feel like the talent was definitely there for him to be a you know, day two pick if he didn't get hurt. Jamian is, is intriguing as well. I love his frame. I love Hamza as well. I think Jamian's a better tackler, but Hamza might be able to make... I think Hamza's a better uh, cover linebacker I'm, you know what? If if who I think will do it, I think it'll be Jamian because they took him first. Right. They had the tr- yeah. clearly it was between those two guys, maybe another guy, but they took Hamza because he fell. They had to make the decision. Okay, we're going to take a will linebacker here. Or they're looking at their board. We we learned the question who they value more, and it was Jamian, right? Because they took him ahead of Hamza. So I, I'll go with Jamian. Um, but I think they're both playing. Yeah, I think they're both playing. Um, I definitely lean towards Hamza. He was
1: rated higher. I I thought they would go after him in the fourth round. It seems like the injuries were a part of it in terms of why he fell. Um, But it's close. Very similar frame. I think they both have the experience and the skill set to play the role that they want them to play in this defense Um, as, you know, just big enough to play linebacker. I wrote an article at JetX about uh, the Falcons Will linebacker last year, um, Aluakon, who developed under Jeff Ulbrich over the past few years, was safety in high school, lightest linebacker in the league last year, 215 pounds. He's right along the lines of what I think the Jets want with these two guys, and they're both perfect for that role. Just having the athleticism to you know, line up over the A-gap and then go cover the hole in Tampa 2 or man up against a tight end in the slot, stuff like that is what Aluakon did um, as much if not more than any other linebacker in the league. And these two guys can do so. It, it's going to be really close. This is maybe the most interesting camp battle to Definitely. me. Definitely. Um, so, because one of these guys are probably going to be starting, you're probably going to have a day three starting linebacker.
0: I think they'll they will probably compete with Cashman, who's right? Also, Cashman's going to be also at de- In some ways, Cashman to me feels like a day three rookie because we yep. barely saw him. We we saw him for a little bit in 2019, and we didn't see him at all last year. Um, so he was one of those players, going back to what we were talking about with Mims earlier, yeah. one of those guys that you want to see take the leap, and half of them do and half of them don't. In the Jets' history, it's been most don't and some do. Right. Um, I,
1: I will say the one thing Sherwood has, I think Nazarell is a better player overall, but Sherwood has more linebacker experience. Right, exactly. On third downs, he would drop down and just play linebacker. It's not like he was a hybrid role. Right. He was straight up playing linebacker on third down. He would even show um, some instances where he would line the defense up. He would point That's, guys into position. right. And that, that's really important. So, And, again, like you said, they drafted him first. Dean Nasrud, was presumably more of a value pick once he fell. I, I, um, so I would lean Sherwood to start. I like Dean probably more as a player. But Sherwood, earlier pick, I think better fit for the role in terms of experience. Uh, so I'll lean with him to start. It's going to be really exciting to watch, though.
0: I don't know if this will happen. Um, and it certainly will not happen this year and probably not next year either. I think Sherwood could have the ability to maybe make the transition to Mike at some point in his career, and I don't think Dean can. Because I think at some point you'd hope that these two can play on the field together. Yeah. I think you're right. I think Dean is a box safety who's going to play linebacker. And I think Sherwood's a guy who was a linebacker. I mean, obviously yeah. he played safety, but I don't think he was ever going to play safety at the next level. I think you can still play Dean at strong safety in the NFL. I think he's more of a Jamal Adams, right. where Sher- Sherwood is more of a... Um, a, a guy that was going to be linebacker yeah. no matter where he went. I, not to get off too far into a tangent because we talked about this last week. Where you know I keep saying the Robert solid defense, Robert solid guys. Um, but this is Jeff Ulbrich's yeah. defense, and yeah. Atlanta did a lot of that. And Especially I like a linebacker. What they're doing a linebacker is what Atlanta did, and I, and I like it. I think it's I love the idea of taking athletes like that, and and that's kind of how you. It's kind of the counter chest move to the the way the NFL is going. These mm-hmm. high flying vertical passing offenses like the Chiefs. It's like put as a linebacker. It's put yeah. more. Speed on the field, and we know that Saul loves to stick in his base 4 3 personnel. He ran it more than any other um, defensive coordinator in the entire league, so he wants to be in that 4 3, but he can stick in his 4 3, but technically be in a dime or a yep. dollar. He has two safeties out there, um, so you don't have to substitute, right? Exactly, 11. you have speed on the field, but yeah. you can be in your 4 um, 3 package. But you can, personnel
1: comes out, your real linebacker, you can trust right. him to go out on the slot right. and cover if he needs to, right? That's what I think they want to
0: do. Yeah, I, I'm excited. The, the Jets, I mean, it's it could go horribly wrong, but they yeah. have a lot of enticing pieces. You could throw Ashton Davis in there as well as another—I vers- yeah. mean, obviously, Marcus May and, and, and Joiner, But Davis is another guy that I'm intrigued by. The Jets reportedly had a first-round grade on him, and they took him even though the, the need wasn't really there. Yeah. And he's just a versatile guy that you could see at slot corner and uh, and safety move him all around. So I'm very excited to see what Robert Sala does, how creative he gets. Jeff Ulrich, excuse me. I'm going to get it down by the end. Yeah. Um, from at sports underscore fiend, um, our our number one question submitter by far, um, he's the goat. Do you think the Jets will sign a veteran cornerback to play alongside Hall on the outside or put in the slot? Would you who would you be your preferred choices at this time? Yeah, I think the obvious ones everyone talks yeah. about,
1: Richard Sherman and Steven Nelson, and they're both scheme fits. They both play obviously Sherman played under uh, Robert Sale the past few years. Both play a lot of zone and are better in zone than man can mask their. Um, being later in their careers, although Nelson's not too old, obviously Sherman is. But both those guys be scheme fits, and I think are' still really good. Sherman kind of gets a bad rap at his production last year. was still great when he was healthy. So I would take either one of those guys. will they make that move? It. Feels like they need to if they really want to be competent this year. They're going to add a veteran. I think they will. Will it be one of those two guys? Maybe not. Maybe there's someone else in the mix who we're not talking about who they will go after. But those are the two prime targets. And I could see either one. Nelson seems to want to be here. Sherman has the connection. Scheme fits, both from zone-heavy defenses. So either one of those guys would be great and would instantly upgrade this defense because Bless Austin as your number two is, is not ideal. I think definitely Hall is a great scheme fit. I think he is going to have a big breakout year, become a good starter. But number two, being bless Austin, that doesn't work. He's
0: And then, then a bunch of rookies after yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, had a, I had high hopes for Austin after his rookie year, but this past season he showed that he's probably number four corner at best. He really struggled, so uh, not ideal. I, I do think the light one at some point, don't you think?
0: Well, we'll see. The, in this system, there's going to be less stress on the cornerback, so I think they're more comfortable. Yeah. Not having big name players there, and also I think Bless Austin has more success in these zone. He's mm-hmm. going to have a lot more success in the zone system, and he's a guy who essentially has been a two year starter. Yeah, so he has some experience. I think they should add somebody outside. As far as the slot goes, Brian Pool's the obvious answer, yeah. and it was a guy I was really certain they were going to bring back before the draft. But it seems like they really like Michael Carter the second. Um, they did also get Eccles. I mean, and they have Javelin Gidry. Personally, I would probably bring in a veteran, but if they want to get these guys reps and they're not, you know, they have Ashton Davis, they have a lot of versatile uh, safeties. I think they don't sign anybody at slot, but I do think they sign somebody outside. I would bring back Poole, but, you know, we'll see what they do because you're confident
1: in your own drafting ability as a team. Obviously, the logical thing to do is, like, Let's add a veteran, just have some security, right. and not expect too much out. Fifth-round picks, undrafted free agents, but as individuals, you're confident in what you're doing. You right. think you can develop these guys, and they do have really good accomplished assistant coaches with Tony Oden and Ricky Manning uh, in the defensive backfield as assistant coaches. They've done really well, so they can develop these guys, and you have a great pass rush up front. That's going to make the jobs easier for the back end, so maybe they feel confident. We don't need a veteran.
0: Let's give right. these guys opportunities to play behind a great pass rush where they won't have to cover as long. I think last year it was very clear that Joe Douglas' strategy was to not make little short-term stopgap moves because he understood the Jets weren't going anywhere. And I still I don't think there's a playoff mandate on this team. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but— I think this is a really talented team. I think yeah. I, I'm kind of underselling them a little bit. They, for the first time, I think they're going to have an actual legitimate pass rush. I love the offensive coordinator. I love what they've done in the offense side of the ball. They finally invested. So if Zach Wilson is at least kind of competent his rookie year, and this coaching staff is about what we expect yeah. them to be, I think this is an eight or nine win yeah, team. Keep in mind sure. there's, there's 17 games, so that's a little lower of a bar. But I think if you don't sign a corner, you're kind of sending a message that. You know, we're not in that win-now mode. Not that the Jets are going to win a Super Bowl, but I think with this coaching staff, you're in a position where you should do everything you can to win as many games as possible. That doesn't mean go and trade the farm for, you know, Tom Brady, but Mm. it does mean, yeah, you have a whole corner. You shouldn't go in with all these young guys, sign a guy like Richard Sherman or Steven Nelson. um, Because if they do that, Obviously, there's a lot of question marks for this team, but there's not as many holes, is what I would say. At least there's some right. sort of optimism or young guy in those those positions where there's some question marks. So I think that I think they will sign somebody. As yeah. far as who it is, I think it's going to be Sherman. And also,
1: Austin is a McKagan player, so there, isn't, there isn't that uh, attack. I point.
0: actually think, I think Austin would be fine. I just think, one, injuries. Both, bless Austin and Bryce Hall, have struggled with injuries through, through their career. So you could be in a situation where week three, right. you're playing with all day three rookies, and I don't think you want to be in that situation. So sign it for one... To make your team more competitive, um, two, you can teach the young guys on your team, and three, depth injury yeah. insurance. So I think I think they ultimately bring in Richard Sherman. I think they cut a guy like Alex Lewis, and take obviously his money and then some, and go get Richard Sherman, um, because it kind of ties into the next question from at Nick Madd with two Ds and then a four at the end. What is your opinion on keeping Jamison Crowder and having great depth of receiver for a rookie quarterback when the inevitable injuries occur? I'm a very big fan yes. of keeping Jamison Crowder. Agree. Yes, you could cut him. Yes, you could free up $10 million, and you could either carry that over to next year or like what we were just talking about, sign a corner. I think, one, they have enough cap to sign a corner right now, and then especially if they're going to release Alex Lewis or Greg Van Roden. Um, we saw it, literally week two of last year, we had no receivers in the field. The Jets for one time have depth at a great position because if you look at all the best teams, it's not just about having talent at positions, yeah. it's depth. Yeah. It's the fact that your team in November and December is not the team that you roll out on opening day. So I, somebody is going to suffer a season-ending injury. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to miss considerable time. It could happen in training camp. You keep Crowder. He's the most accomplished Jets receiver. He's the most reliable. He's a different player than Elijah Moore. Yep. So they both both might play slot, but you can use him a lot different. You can play ten personnel. Elijah Moore can be coming on a jet sweep, and Crowder can can, uh, can go over the middle. I think he's a great uh, mentor for Elijah Moore too. Yeah, to me, keep him because yes, even if you cut him, you still have Keelan Cole. But then after that, it, then you're getting back to the Jeff Smiths and the Braxton Berrios. I think you need to do everything to surround Zach Wilson with talent. So give him depth at that spot.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. He's not going to put up production to match his costs if you keep him, but it's the last year of his contract. you got cap space if you want to make a trade add a veteran. You're going to have cap space next year. Um, value that depth. Give your rookie quarterback as much as you possibly can. Guys are going to get hurt. Um, and you just want to have as much depth
0: as possible. I, I would say keep them. Yeah, sticking with the, kind of the same topic, at Mikey0516 uh, asked, do you see Crowder and Lewis in the roster Are asked to take a pay cut? I guess to kind of uh, pivot away from this question, I could see them asking Lewis to take a pay cut and him staying. I don't really see... I mean, this is a very minor pay cut. I don't yeah, really see I, what James... I think Lewis is going to go. I think he'll probably go, but I'm saying I don't... Uh, James and Crowder should just be like, no. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it's like... All the crap. I mean, he's been on a terrible organization his entire career for the most part. So it's like, and if he goes and hits free agency, I think he can clear. I think he can get a six million dollar salary yeah. in the open market. So it's like, unless it's a minor pay cut to like eight million, seven million, or maybe they want to roll it over to next year. I don't know, but I, that doesn't make much sense either way. Um, I think they're both gonna. I think Crowder makes it the six in the team, and I think he gets his full ten million. I think Lewis gets cut. Uh, he also asks, is there. Do you think uh, he's asking about the cornerback question? Do you think that? I guess I'll ask you this: Why do you think the Jets are not going after uh, Stephen Nelson? Why, do you think it's just maybe they still can, or do you think that? I think they still. Is could. it a scheme fit issue? Is it a? Yeah, I, I think they just wanted to see how the draft played out, and we'll see it at some point.
1: These things, like look at Jadavian Clowney last season, very late signing. Um, I, I think they will at some point. Again, I don't know if it's going to be one of those two guys. I think they are both scheme fits, and they're both still good players, in my opinion. So I think they'll definitely make an addition at some point. In terms of the question, I think Alex Lewis gets cut. They did make a couple of guard additions in terms of veterans and free agency with Dan Feeney and Corey Levin. So, and then Cameron Clark is still in the mix. Um, so I think he's going to get cut. They'll take
0: those savings. But Crowder, I think, sticks around. At Meister-Warder, um, which prominent player on the current, uh, current roster is not a good fit for the Shanahan Lafleur offense? Michael actually talked about this for a little bit before yeah. the podcast started. He doesn't really love my answer. I'm going to say Fully Fodakasi, And that doesn't mean that he... Oh, also, the question is just not a scheme fit for the scheme on either side of the ball, not just the offense. Oh, yeah, sorry, he said yeah. offense. Okay, well, yeah. We extended it to the entire yeah. the entire team. But he has an offensive answer, though, so we're fine. I'm a Defensive answer, my apologies, wordmeister. Um, fully Fodakasi, and that doesn't mean that I don't think he's going to have a successful year. I think he... I think he's a nice rotational piece for the Jets on early rundowns. I think he's a great player. And that's kind of what it comes down to. I think he is a great player. And I think it's why would he play 20 to 25% of the snaps here in New York when he can leave next year in free agency, go to a contender like Tampa Bay, and play 75% of the snaps, which is what that means. It doesn't mean that he's hindering the Jets. It doesn't mean that— Robert Sala is not going to find ways to use him. I just don't think long-term Foy Fodokasi fits into these plans because he's not a solid offensive tackle. I think Jonathan Marshall, we talked about it, the six-round pick. One, I just like the idea of taking a high, highly athletic yeah. um, guy like him, who actually had relatively good production for being a one-year wonder at Arkansas. It kind of represented what we were talking about, yeah. those long-term needs, where it's like the Jets don't need defensive time, line help, but next year Nathan Shepard and, and Foley Fadakasi are both reagents, so there goes a lot of your depth on the interior. So then he slides in there. I think Fodacasi is a guy who's not going to get brought back, even though he's a great player, just because it's not worth to pay him what he's worth, and I think he can go elsewhere and, and play a lot more.
1: Yeah, I see what you mean. It's like He's going to get on the field, and he's going to make plays, and— Defend the run as well as anyone, but in this scheme, it's just I think it's going to be more exclusive when he gets playing. Right, time.
0: they Robert Sala likes yeah. explode. You know, he likes those Eric Armstead one those, gapping players. Yeah, too. exactly. You know, he doesn't need the the um, the three four nose tackle that could yeah. Up so blocks. his playing time is going to be cut yeah. a little bit compared
1: yeah. more exclusive to short yardage and early down stuff. But
0: right. when for, they signed Sheldon Rankins, it was like, oh yeah, they're yeah. Not, they're they're going to play a very Robert Sala Jeff Obrick type defense. Yeah. They're not going to try to. Make adjustments.
1: What, what's your answer? Yeah, and then offensively, I, I'm going to go with Lamichael P. Ryan. I think he was an Adam Gase, a picked for the Adam Gase offense. I think he's more of an inside zone type runner, downhill, one cut, can maybe read a couple of gaps and then go straight downhill. I think they're going to look for guys who threaten the edge more, who have a little more game breaking speed. And we saw some of that from Pirine Ryan um, when he's with the Gators in college, but that's not really his game, I don't think. I think his game's more fundamentals. Downhill running, power running, um, and then I think they have some guys who are more threatening in terms of big plays. Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, especially, um, and then Adams and Johnson showed they showed that they fit much better. Um, they're running a lot of outside runs when those two guys were successful near the end of the season, um, and P Ryan wasn't as much of a threat on those types of plays. So I think P Ryan isn't the best scheme fit. He should still make the team as a fourth round pick last year of this GM. But I think he'll probably be at the bottom of the depth chart and not get a ton of touches, be more of a, a power short yardage type of back. So I don't think he's the greatest scheme fit.
0: Yeah, I think he was definitely a Gase pick. I mean, he's just kind of Frank Gore Jr. Well, We'll see what, he, what he's like. I think there's not many times, you t- you were talking to me about this, that how many times have we seen a progression arc for a running back career? Yeah. Normally they come in as a rookie and they can it can perform. P. Ryan didn't really do anything to lift the team. He didn't break really any tackles. He kind of just took what was there. He was a very much a Gase Pick, just see the hole, hit it, get four yards. Um, I still think he'll make the roster because, like you said, he's kind of the only guy that has the power behind him. You can put him in short yardage situations. Because he can get the three, four yards. I mean, it's like if you're on the one-yard line, I think out of all the backs, he's probably the best one. I don't think you're Mm going to put Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman. I guess you could put Josh Adams down there. Maybe he's a bigger back. But um, I think you're right. I think Adams, Johnson, Johnson. Carter and and Coleman all fit the, the San Francisco West Coast yeah. mold, and mm-hmm. he's the one guy that's— um, I think he's definitely a candidate to be a surprise cut, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, at the fake, Matt Gold. Does Joe Douglas trading up in 2019 and missing badly on Andre Dillard scare you at all with Elijah Vera Tucker? Um, first, and I make this mistake mm-hmm. all the time. We can't just put the entire Eagles draft on Joe Douglas. He yeah. was the director of, of, of player personnel there. Like he was assistant general manager. He certainly had a hand in a lot of those drafts by reading it. But Harry Roseman at the end of the day was making those mm-hmm. picks. So we don't know exactly which picks were Harry, which picks were Joe Douglas. Now, considering it seems like Joe Douglas would have been the foremost authority and offensive lineman yeah. in that, that war room, you could probably pin that on right. him. And before the draft, I had said to you, this was going to be like a little longer of an answer, three minutes maybe. Yeah. Um, sorry, we're, we flew through the first ones. So now we can take our time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, before the draft, I had texted you. It was like some 11th hour panic where I was like, we are really going to learn a lot about Joe Douglas because as much optimism as I have about him, as much as I love the value you got with Jamal Adams and I loved what he did in free agency yeah. and the fact that he came in Sala and he had a good first draft, we don't know who he is and we're going to find out. And his draft two weeks ago answered a lot of questions for me. I thought he hit that out of the park. Does it look, not all the picks are gonna hit, some of them are gonna whiff. Just the strategy mm-hmm. and the value he got and the positions he was attacking, that to me deserved an A or an A minus. It. Probably an A. I just didn't want to say yeah. an A. But that deserved that the strategy of his draft deserves an A. The truth is, even Ozzie Newsome, even the best general manager of all time are gonna miss on draft picks. They're gonna miss on yeah. early draft picks. Does that scare me a little bit? Yes. I think those Eagles drafts in general are terrifying. I hope that wasn't, I hope that it was, you know, partly Howie Roseman. I also think that Joe Douglas in New York, as the general manager, a really underrated part of him being a general manager is he gets to control the entire staff. So he built his staff, and a lot of connections are from Baltimore, Chicago, Philly. When he's in Philly, he's not controlling the staff. I mean, that's just who the, the Eagles have. And part of what made him so attractive was the connections he's built over the last 20 years um and i think the jets at least through two at least last year i thought their scouting department did a really good job um and and we'll see i i it doesn't scare me too much especially yeah. with the lives of Vera tucker because they're completely different prospects mm-hmm. i think Vera tucker's a better prospect than dillard was um i think it fit a better a bigger need i think he's a better scheme fit right like, um in, it, in terms of this question like i don't i agree with everything you said it, it's
1: hard to judge Players, and this goes like throughout the whole sport, whether it's assistant coaches, head coaches, whoever it is, it's so hard to judge these things because we don't know how much input they had in them. So um, the Eagles drafts overall being bad, the past few, few, past few years is concerning a little bit, but we don't know which picks he had a huge hand in, which ones he had no say Completely in. Completely different scouting department. Yeah, different scouting department. So there's so many factors at play that it just it's hard to evaluate. So... Um, We'll see over time how good of a drafter he is with these classes. I think it's
0: fair to—the problem that Elijah is going to face is that we're coming off a season where Makai Becton slid in and immediately was a top-10 left tackle. So the bar is high. And that shouldn't be the expectation with Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, I could definitely see him doing it. And when I'm projecting this Jets offense and we're imagining this could be one of the best young offenses in the NFL, as somebody said a few minutes ago, a lot of that— is is on Elijah Ver Tucker's mm-hmm. shoulder? If he comes in and has a Makai Becton like rookie season, this Jets offense is going to be good yep. because that entire left side of the offensive line is opened up. I mean, they're going to be when the Jets ran left last year, they had way more success. Now you have a complete you know C. You're going to be able to part yeah. and like you were talking about. Then the Jets can build a lot of concepts off that. If they have a dominant left side, one of the if he's having a Beckton type rookie season, one of the most dominant left sides in the entire NFL, you can run a lot of play action bootlegs, exactly. a lot of Shanahan style stuff and and go right also if the defense starts to overload the left that opens up the right side and you can pull guys and traps uh, having a dominant left side it would be huge for this offense and the thing that's different i think about dillard and elijah ver tucker that would give me hope and uh you know maybe this will give you hope as well is elijah ver tucker was a top 10 player on joe douglas's board this is a blue chip prospect i don't think you can say the same with andre dillard i think he probably liked him a lot obviously first round grade but With Elijah Tucker, this is a guy that Joe Douglas is putting a stamp on. He overpaid. I still think it was worth it. Um, But clearly he believes that this is a Quentin Nelson type of prospect. And that gives me a lot of hope about uh, Elijah. Um, From at sports underscore fiend, what are your Jets win-loss projections for the 2021 NFL season with all the player acquisitions and new coaching staff in the fold at Florham Park? I'm going to put eight wins out there, eight and nine.
1: It's just hard for me. Ah, it's so team.
0: weird 8 and 9. I know. It well, no with the 17 game s- season. I'm just used to 8 and 8, 7 and 9, 9 and yeah. 7. Now I got to get used to it. It's tough nine. to get
1: used to it. Like I just have a hard time seeing a Robert Sala coach team being bad. Like oh, d- it's just <laughs> it's just I can't picture that. Like can you picture a I'm not so saying they're gonna you, to make I, the playoffs. There you know are times
0: the Jets have let me down. Don't just say it. just, just, just stop your thought there. Listen. Just
1: like I'm not saying they're gonna win the Super Bowl, I'm not saying they're gonna make the playoffs, but it's hard for me to picture a team coached by him being a disaster. Yeah. That's the thing I'm trying to say. So like, they're not gonna be a disaster. They'll lose some close games. Maybe the offense isn't great because Wilson isn't an instant hit, or the offensive line is injuries, or whatever. Maybe the defense isn't great because the cornerback holes or the linebackers right. aren't good. They'll have natural limitations because this roster isn't there yet but I feel like they'll win a good amount of their close games. I feel like there will be times when everything just clicks um, and they're going to have their share of successful games. So I think eight and nine, I could see it.
0: I think out of everything in the sport of football, the most important thing is coaching. If I had to choose one thing, like a franchise quarterback, an amazing coaching staff, whatever, I'm taking the coaching staff. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference between this this year's team and last year's team. I think they're a lot more talented. I mean, they added – In Joe Douglas' mind, they got three first-round draft picks. They got a a legit edge rusher in Carl Lawson, a great player in Sheldon Rankins, another great player in Corey Davis. They had a lot of talent to this team, but I think the biggest difference is going to be the coaching staff because I think you're going to see, hopefully, and what we're projecting, you're going to see more young players develop. You're going to see more of that next-man-up attitude actually having some success. Um, I think the Jets last year were worse than, definitely worse than we thought Mm -hmm. they were going to be. We knew they didn't have much talent. I think we over- Inflated the coaching staff. I think they were in many situations. I don't think the Jets put a single game where they were where they out coached, maybe the Rams game. Yeah, probably the Rams game. Which is surprising, but every single game the Jets were out coached schematically, making adjustments, every player development through the offseason. That's going to be the biggest difference for the Jets. So as far as win loss, I think. I think I think the over under for the Jets was six or something mm-hmm. I saw. I don't know if that was the official Vegas line or whatever. I would take the over on that. Right. I could see seven or eight wins.
1: I think that's where they're going to end up. I feel like we say this every single year. Yeah, like you don't you want to be optimistic,
0: not too optimistic. This year it feels right to say seven or eight wins. to Yeah, me. I think last year we said the same thing. I think my official prediction I had them at seven and nine. I think. Yeah, maybe it was seven and nine or eight and eight last year, which very optimistic in retrospect. Um, clearly should have gone w- more with the 5 or the 6 or the 4, which is kind of my gut. This time, I think, it's, I think you're right. I, yeah. I think they're going to have a—the hope for them is to have a, a ceiling is like the type of season the Dolphins had last mm-hmm. year where they can maybe sneak into the playoffs or whatever. So I think a 9-win season is definitely possible. Hell, maybe a 10-win season, but I don't want to go that far. I think 9 wins and sneaking into the playoffs is certainly possible. I think 8 wins is where I'll settle. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll drop lower than 6, though. I think 6 is the, the floor for this team. Especially, they're, they're playing a, a last-place schedule. They have yep. the third easiest schedule in the entire league. So, um, I think it'll be a lot more fun to be a Jets fan this year. Yeah. I don't think this season's going to be over in September. I think they'll they'll be able to play some meaningful games, some meaningful primetime games. It'll feel like an actual football season. Yep. Last year, it did not feel like a football season. It just felt like, like a draft scouting season. Neither like. did the season before that. Yeah, 2019 felt... Yeah, because right off the bat, I mean, Darnold got mono. So the last yep. time it felt like the Jets were playing... I guess the Cowboys-Patriots games in there in the middle, right at the start yeah, kind of felt Yeah, like, two games. But they were already 0-4 at that point. So the last time I felt like the Jets, the last meaningful, like this is a big game, I, I would say was the 2018 Vikings game yeah. to me. That was the last time I was like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Like this is a big football. After that game, it was like, okay, it's a bad team again. So I think we're going to have some good football uh, games this year. Um, another one from at Sports Feed. This is a really interesting one. If you could do a do-over for one pick on day three in the 2021 NFL Draft for the Jets, which pick would it be, and who would you both have selected instead for gangrene? So when
1: I first read this question, um, when we coming into it, I said that I would undo the Marshall pick in the sixth no. round and take Jose Borregas, a kicker. But you convinced me um, with taking the athletic gamble on Jonathan Marshall. I'm okay And with he that. had
0: production last year. He, and he had His production. pressures last year his were great.
1: pressures and run stops were top 15 in the nation. That's, that's
0: fully fought a so, replacement.
1: So and I think yeah he's a better scheme fit in that role like he played some nose and he made plays even though he's not a huge guy he's an athletic based smaller guy he can play nose and I think he's a better fit in this scheme with his style and build so um I changed my mind off of that one but I guess if I were to redo a day three pick Michael Carter is probably where I want them to go um, with that uh, with the first pick but that was the only one where they did what I want to do. Um, I did want Yaboa at different spots later in the draft, but they got him in undrafted free agency. Um, I don't like. I'm going to be completely honest because there were spots where I would take in cornerbacks I knew more about, like Thomas Graham from Oregon, um, Trill Williams from Syracuse, wow. um, my hometown and my yep, college, <laughs> where we are right now. Um, Rodarius Williams from Oklahoma State. So there are a few guys I knew a little bit more about who I was hoping they'd go after. Um, but ultimately, I feel like the scheme fits were pretty good that they got. I guess I would have just attacked offensive line. I would have taken a chance on Trey Smith yeah. instead of maybe Eccles.
0: Eccles Eccles is the only pick um, that. So, I, yeah,
1: I think I would have gone after offensive line. But again, if the trade off for that is Cameron Clark being someone. If the trade off for not taking an O lineman is that they're confident in Cameron Clark,
0: then I'm okay with it. Yeah, again. <laughs> It's tough because once you get to day three, especially, you try yeah. to, fans, the entire draft try to attack I'm needs. not going to critique anything. Too right, much exactly. On day especially three. day three, I don't really want to critique. I think Eccles was the only pick where I was like, huh. Like every other pick, like originally I was like, maybe a little skeptical, yeah. then I liked it immediately. Give me, every draft, every Who's fan is like, like who is that? Who's this guy? Oh, he's good. I like him. And then, then cue the Just Bombs reduction highlights. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm all in. Um, Eccles is the only guy that I and was Shout like,
1: out Zach Wilson, Just Bombs production, huge fan. Yeah,
0: exactly, you're right. that, that that's a good point, he was watching Elijah, I guess Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson are both Just Bombs yep. production scouts, because they were sending each other hi- their highlights. Um, Eccles' athletic profile is intriguing, I think just right at the start I was like, oh he's so he's not a big corner, He's is he an inside guy, is he going to be outside, kind of feel like we could have yeah. gone offensive line, I kind of wanted Trey Smith... Um, but again, I'm not going to critique it, and the Jets need depth at corner, and Eccles' athletic profile is really intriguing, and Dane Brugler, who's a really respected, um, I don't know if I should call him a scout, but he you know, writes, does all the athletics um, draft coverage. Out of all the corners the Jets took, he really likes Eccles a lot. He thinks mm-hmm. that he could be a really good player, so he kind of convinced me on that pick, so I don't really have much to say. I think when the draft initially happened, the thought I had, and I changed my mind, was like, well, they could have taken Jabril Cox at to the top of the fourth, and then they could have gotten Kenneth Gainwell um, at the end mm-hmm. of the fourth. Like, they, they were both still available with the Jets' picks instead of trading down or whatever the Jets did. But I think the Jets did trade down from that second, fourth rounder. Yeah. They got more picks, which I liked. I think I liked what the Jets did with the safeties at linebackers. So Jabril Cox is a big of a deal. And Michael Carter is such a perfect scheme fit. He was the best scheme fit of, out of all the, yeah. the running backs in this class, especially after hearing Joe Douglas saying they would have taken Michael Carter at 66. I wouldn't change that either. I like Kenneth Gamble a lot, but Carter's a better scheme fit. So, nothing. Doesn't mean in retrospect they didn't make bad mm-hmm. picks, but at this point, I don't. Joe Douglas didn't give me anything to criticize on day three. Um, from at Marco BH 1986. I mean, I'm just going <laughs> to stumble through that one. Um, do you think we will have more linebackers to the roster? Still looks pretty bare at the position. Are there any good free agents left to that position? I think that. No. I feel like they're set. I think, they're, I think set. they're set. I think this is what they wanted
1: to do. They wanted to go young. They. Linebacker is the number one position you could feel confident in this team to develop. Robert Sala in San Francisco with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Um, and then Jeff Ulbrich is the linebacker's coach in Atlanta with Dion Jones and Aluakon. They both, that's two guys they made into good starters out of uh, beyond the first round. So this is a position where you can feel confident in them developing talent. And I think they know that
0: and they feel confident in and. themselves to do it. And the guy that nobody talks about that they signed, and I, I had to make sure I got his name right, was Delshawn Phillips from Atlanta. So they did yeah. bring him in. They brought in Gerard Jared Davis. Let's go, with Gerard Davis. I like. It sounds like Gerard, but that then they said better. Jared. It's cooler. Okay, I like it. Gerard. Jared. I'm sorry, if your name is actually Jared, but we're gonna call you Gerard for now, until we hear any uh, yeah. thing otherwise. Until we hear Iron Eagle say, yes. he's the end all be all. Um, they have Jared Davis. They have Delshawn. They also have Blake Cashman coming back. I like the safeties that they took. I don't think they will. I, the one question is if CJ is not – well, I think he'll be ready. But if CJ goes down, it's like who's going to play Mike? You probably have Davis there, which is shaky. Davis, Cashman.
1: Yeah. You'd probably could, have Davis slide in as that Mike linebacker, and then you'd go with Cashman would probably play that rotational role right. that Davis will likely play. Because I think right now what you're looking at is mostly every down player and every down guy next to him is going to be either Sherwood, Cashman, or Nazareldine. And Davis is like your rotational guy. He comes in, he'll play Sam or he can rotate. Mosley will play inside, uh, or Davis will play inside Mosley-Sam, because that's how most of these defenses work. You look at Atlanta and San Francisco last year. You have two every-down players. For Atlanta, it was Deion Jones and Oluwakan. Um For San Francisco, when they were healthy, it was Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Then you have a rotational guy. Um, for Atlanta, I, I forget who it was for them, but uh, I think it was Michael Walker. Uh, and then for San Francisco – it was uh, i forget his name he had a really weird name aziz Al alshare i think that's his name but you have two every down guys and you have a third linebacker who plays like a third of the snaps and that guy isn't necessarily a sam or a will he'll play all different kinds of roles he just rotates in when you're playing your base right. defense so that you have three linebackers on the field he might be a sam and like you're starting like for atlanta, atlanta for example when Walker comes in, Deion Jones probably playing Mike. Walker plays Sam. And then Lou will play Will. He'll be the guy who goes out into the slot and covers tight ends because he has the ability to do that, and I think that's what Sherwood and Naz- or Nazirul Dean will do in that role. So um, I think they're set right now. I don't think – K.J. Wright's still out there. He'd also be perfect for this scheme. He's right up there last year in terms of linebackers who played outside of the box, covered out in the slot, outside linebacker, things like that. So he's a good role – a good – Fit for this defense too has the Sala connection, but I think they like where they're at. I right. think they want to develop young talent I, yeah, here.
0: Yeah, I don't think they sat, Yeah, I think they want to develop young talent. I think that Sala came up as a linebackers coach. He's going to want to harp on that. I think the only opportunity I could see them signing a a linebacker is going to be after training camp when all those cuts happen. Mm-hmm. I think if they go through training camp in preseason and they don't really like what they're seeing, um, and somebody shakes free. I could see them adding a linebacker at that point, so I, I think that there may be some work to be done in the linebacker position, but it might be at the bottom of the roster, adding depth. Yeah, it's like mic. a veteran Mike backup. Well, yeah, I think I think a, I could see somebody getting cut at that Mike or that same yeah. spot that they like and adding him. But I don't think I think right now this is the linebacker group yeah. going into to, to training camp. At Jets fan uh, one thirty nine, if I told you that the over under for undrafted free agents being in the Jets active roster on opening day is four, which way would you bet under? Yeah, easily. Under. Like, I think the better question is one. Yeah. Like, uh, or two. I, I don't know. I like, put it at two. Like, just would one player make it? it I it's think, so
1: hard. Last year, we saw more than usual because of the lack of preseason. But the even then, it was
0: – they only had one. But Did, it, you, didn't they But even it was only
1: Bryce Huff, I believe. Um, Giddery eventually made onto the team. Lamar Jackson eventually played. Yeah, but it's opening day. But opening week, it was only Huff, I think.
0: Right. I think uh, there's obviously going to be undrafted guys in the practice squad and whatnot. But, yeah, I think – I think the only guys that are I think Yaboa has a good chance. Isaiah Dunn. I think there has are some. Chance. I think there's some intriguing guys, especially since because the draft um, was a lot different this year because there wasn't a full scouting. Yeah. I think the undrafted free agents are going to be a little better this year because I think just some guys slip through the cracks. Once they get into an NFL training camp, you're going to get them on the field, and then some guys are going to pop. Right. So I, I get why it's a little higher. I would say I think you're probably right. I think two or three is fair. I think Yaboa is obviously an obvious mm-hmm. candidate. Um, I really like him, but he kind of reminds me of Lawrence Cager last also, year. Also, I would
1: look at Hodge from BYU. Yes, that's offensive what,
0: that's what I was about to say. Is that not just
1: because the Wilson connection? Like he was actually really good. It's just you know he's obviously coming from BYU, not the best competition. Brady Christensen got drafted out of their third round, um, but Hodge was a great pass protector. Again, again,
0: I was I was pronouncing it Hodge, but whatever. I was going to bring up yeah, I think Hodge is a really maybe that's right. It looks like Hodge to me. Okay, you call it Hodge, we'll call it Hodge. Okay. I think that Hodge. Has a very good chance to make it. What I was gonna say about Yabou is that he reminds me of Lawrence Cager in the sense that I think he has some cool highlights. I think it's a name that Jets fans have heard of, but you know, go watch that Senior Bowl practice footage and and go watch other plays where he's not. Um, you know, so I'll go watch games that Elijah Moore has, and I'll watch Kenny Yaboa just to see what he's yep. doing. He's a he's a fun player. He's an exciting player. He gets locked up a lot. But yeah, he, I, I he has some holes in his game. There's a reason he went undrafted. He didn't just every NFL GM didn't just forget about him. Um, so. And a lot of his production was just wide open. Against. He's just the one undrafted free agent that everybody knows. So I didn't want him. I do like him. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited to bring him in because he still might have something. There, there's a reason he went on. I drafted. think the the guys... The, but he's an example of kind of the typical undrafted free agent. Guy you know, but he has obvious holes yeah. in his game. He falls the fans like him. A lot of times those guys don't work out. The ones that do... Are the ones that just slipped through the cracks, yeah. and I think you're going to see more of those this year. Guys who were in smaller schools, guys that didn't get the opportunity to to show off some, or maybe they're fighting injuries. Um, I would say, yeah, I think two or three is a safe bet. I, I actually do think there will be more. I think there's a good chance that kicker makes it. Um, I think, yeah. I think, I think Hodge or Hodge, whatever you pronounce it. I think I actually do think he'll make it. Um, I and then think it, Dunn and the kicker. Will the other kick. guy, keeping my th- prediction, two players. So. They oh Dunn is probably yeah they gave Dunn a good yeah. contract. So man, you know four actually. I was really. Ham- I'll still hammer the under. I don't think they go over four. Um, if, if the if the total is three and a half, I think that's a better thing because I could see four. Opening day though, I'll go. I'll go three. I think uh, Dunn makes a lot of sense. Amal Rashid, too is another guy I really mm-hmm. like. Um, so they'll definitely be littered on this team and on the practice squad. And you'll see more of them as the, as the season goes on. Opening day though, I think is three's the safe. I'll go that. two. Um, see. Uh, a pizza AIA. I mean, I'm not even going to try to – what do you think that is? You can see it. Now, now you can actually see it. I can't see it because I don't have my glasses oh, on. Piz- I'm blind. Pizzaya. Sorry. Outside of Wilson, what new addition this offseason will make the biggest impact this season um, from free agency draft picks and draft of free agents on the Jets? I mean, Carl Lawson the obvious example. Mm-hmm. I think if they didn't sign him, I'd be like, all right, this defense fine. But the fact that they have Carl Lawson, and I believe that he's a legitimate edge rusher, even if the sack totals aren't there, the pressures and the hurries are yeah. definitely there and coming off the edge. Um, and then you add in that they have Rankins and Quentin Williams inside, and I like John Franklin Myers a lot as well. I think Lawson's going to have a big yeah. year. Lawson's an easy answer for me. He's but, an elite pass rusher. You said it. So He's the easy answer he, for me to this one. If you want to go with something a little—I'll go back with what I said earlier. I think Elijah Tucker. I think outside of Wilson, he has the opportunity to make the biggest impact. Because if he has that Beckton-like rookie season, and that left side of the, the the line immediately becomes one of the best in the entire NFL, not just one of the best young left yeah. sides of the offensive line, one of the best left sides in the, in right. the NFL, that opens up everything for this offense. It protects Wilson's uh, blind side. It gives uh, you know legitimacy to this running game. You can scheme off of it. That to me would have the biggest impact on this team because that just yeah. affects everything. Yeah, and I think he's a good chance of doing it too. He's a high floor
1: type of guy to me because of his production at at multiple positions. He's great in college. So that tells you a lot, I think, about what he can do. Um, and then I think you just look at his game, he's a great scheme fit. His technique is great at the second level. He's able to latch on to guys, seal them out of the play. I think he's a guy who, you know, Beckton wasn't really that type of player. You thought he was a high ceiling guy who was going to take his time to develop, but he came in and was great right away. Vera Tucker does seem like a guy who should be good to me instantly. Because of the scheme fit, he'll be playing next to Becton. Um, I think he's going to come in
0: and play well right away. I would feel good about it. Yeah. Is there anybody else that's of Vera Tucker outside of Lawson? Is there somebody that you think can have the biggest? Yeah. We should consider C.J.
1: Mosley in addition. Because just he didn't play last year. I think he's going to really change everything, even though – He's not the prototype that they're looking for a linebacker. He's going to play that mic role really well. He's going to get everyone in the right place in ways that I don't think their linebackers have the past few years. His coverage ability is fantastic. He knows where to be and when. He could run up the seam, shut those routes down. He knows how to identify the threats in his area, be where he needs to be, and lock them down. Because just Neville Hewitt, like whatever, the tackle totals, they just mean nothing. He's so bad. He is in zone coverage. He'll oh, just, come on. That's that's He'll just drop to his spot and he'll stand there and look at the quarterback. He doesn't What's well, on his game? It, he's a starting linebacker. Well, yeah, he'll but, but Greg Williams likes to put his linebackers in in those deep tap-a-two like, situations. Mosley is a guy who can play those roles and do it well. He's going to not just drop to his hook zone and stand right. there. He's like, "All right, there's a crossing route behind me. I'm going to get some more depth and I'm going right. to cover that." If there's a tight end sitting down in front of me to the right, I'm gonna creep up a little bit
0: and discourage. We only saw three quarters of Jets C.J. Mosley. I will say Baltimore C.J. Mosley coverage wasn't his strength. I mean, he was definitely good at it. He was solid at it. He was. He's 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 not not a
1: man coverage guy, but he's really good in zone coverage, just being where he needs to be to prevent big plays from happening. I think
0: he's. I think he's a good enough Mike coverage linebacker for this defense. But the big X factor, the big Jets X factor. I don't think I've ever used the Jets X-Factor. I've always used the cooler Jets, but I finally snuck that in there. Yeah. The big Jets X-Factor, I don't really like that this is— It doesn't work great. Well, I might just get this out because it's kind of anticlimactic, because CJ Mosley's groin. (laughs) Because if he can't—if he's not the same player that he was in 2019, then my expectations for this defense goes down. I don't think he's going to be—look, he's two years away from football. He's older. He's coming off yeah, major. Williamson, a different injury.
1: Right. But we saw Avery Williamson not a struggle to come back from. And a it.
0: major soft tissue injury. At least injury. he's
1: rested, I guess. But he also didn't play and be in an NFL training room for a season. Yeah. Um, if he's healthy, though, I think he's a top five to 10 linebacker. So it should be a huge add to have Mosley back.
0: Yeah, it's a major soft tissue injury. So it's like those groin injuries are tough to come back from, especially at linebacker where it's a lot of lateral movement and shuffling i mean it's just that to me is out of all the things that you're hoping for in an nfl season they none of them all come true you always have these expectations or these hopes and in our history it's been most of them don't come through i'm gonna say cj mosley is not going to be the same that's just my my guess from being disappointed by the jets but i think there's a chance he can be and i really hope he is if he is the same player i think this defense is has a chance to be a legitimately Mm -hmm. good defense Despite the holes at corner, just because I think this scheme lends itself to not having superstars. Yeah, on the outside. he's
1: extremely important. If he's declined and a bad player, that that's going to be a major problem because I think them being a good defense is very much contingent on him being really good in coverage in the middle of that defense in zone, or else it's going to be a huge hole. So he's a very
0: important player. Yeah, and we'll see if he if he is be either battles for injuries or just isn't the same player. Then the, the, the outlook on this defense changes a lot because then it's like, okay, I think they're strong up front. I think linebacker, the second level is a lot of question marks. Yeah. And then the third level, a lot of question marks on the outside, and I think you have some good safety. So I, if he's. Eh, I think the Jets are yeah. a, an average to below average defense. If he's good or solid, I think the Jets can be an above average to, yeah. to top 10 yeah. defense. Um, all right, last two fun Jets X Factor questions. At NY Jets Flight, how much can you bench? Michael, I don't even think you. You can take this one first. I'm, I'm gonna. I have not benched before,
1: so that should answer your question right there. <laughs> I'm gonna get Michael on it. I'm gonna get Michael in the workout routine.
0: That's that's the big yeah, thing. He's that,
1: always hammering me about it. So,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I just put the forty fives on, so that's one thirty five. I do a few sets of five or something on it. I don't really go too hard on the bench. I mean, I, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I I think I'm kind of like Zach Wilson. I'm 21. I got to add more to this frame. I think I have an athletic build, but I could I could. How add much do
1: you think Zach Wilson can bench?
0: More than 135. I mean, I if I was going one rep max, I can do more than 135. I just on a bench by myself, I'm not going to do that. I don't know. I, I, Zach Wilson. He, if you look at his legs, he has athletic legs, and that's yeah. where you get all your powers from your hips, generating that torque. Um, so there was that one photo where he was like on the pull down. Um, at the day of the draft, I'm like, wow, he looks like a little kid. It's like one, he is 21, so the let's...
1: shoulders are not his strong suit, and I think yes. that's
0: part of why he looks smaller. He, has, than he, he is, yeah, he has narrow shoulders, is yeah. why he looks small. But you know, give him give him a few years, he'll add 10 pounds or so, um, and then you know, he'll look a little bigger. As far how much Zach Wilson can bench, I don't know. I'm not gonna make a guess. Maybe maybe two plates on each side. Maybe he can come on the podcast and tell us. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I actually I listened to an interview he was doing, and he said he's trying not to do. Like that many interviews because he's trying to stay focused. So I'd, I think I think Zach Wilson will be the white whale of this of this podcast that we will be <laughs> continuously trying to get but never will. Maybe maybe in a few years. Maybe when he can um, when I can outbench him. Um, at MYJ underscore matt. Okay, this one this one we can do right now. Which Jets X Factor member wins a forty yard dash? I think it's me, and I would put I'd put a hundred bucks on that. Definitely not me. I'm not.
1: You're good at basketball though. You I, are athletic. Yeah. I mean like
0: I have good short area quickness. That's what I have. <laughs> you're, okay, you're Elijah Moore. I have
1: good reaction time, good instincts. Or Jamison Crowder, maybe. Um, I feel like I can change directions quickly. Long speed, I don't really have. So I'd probably be uh, probably around 5'2", is where i put myself. I'm going to be completely five 5'2", honest. that's still pretty
0: That – you're comparing yeah, yourself to NFL players. Low. I haven't
1: I, done it, so I don't know. You should compare yourself to, like, Rich Eisen. Yeah, what does, runs, what does he, he do? He runs,
0: like, early sixes. Wow, I'm definitely better than that. I can do better. All right, well, then we're going to time it. We will, we will time these. Right. We I'll will put this five, out. Five-five. I can I, do five-five. We'll see. Um, what can you do? I think Well, I'm I think I'm running the fastest. I'll put it that way. I don't know what the exact number is, but my competition here, I think I know I'm faster Sam than you. Sam Cernick. No offense. Can you. No offense. I think I know I'm faster than you. i pretty confident I'm faster than Robbie Sabo. Yeah. Um, Joe Blewett and Sam Cernick are my only competition. I think Joe, obviously, if we go back to the last question, destroys me. And bench pressing or anything like that. But in a race, I think I got him. I've always been fast. And I'm athletic and I work out. So I don't know. Sam, Sam, power. there's he, no chance. Sam, Sam was tweeting at me saying he could beat me in a 40-year dash. Sam, we will film this and we will do this because there's zero chance. I'll put $100 on this right now. Or maybe um, maybe do something like Jets related, some giveaway. I don't know. Um, everybody tweet tweet the over. Okay, if we set the over under on 5.5 on Michael Nanias 40, I'm going to say over. I think, I think you run like a 5.8, 5.9. So, uh,
1: that's disrespectful. I don't know what a regular <laughs> we'll do it. person 40 is. We'll go,
0: we'll go check it out. We
1: don't know what that is because we're so used to watching these guys. Me, but you see all these enormous linemen. Sorry.
0: Well, just keep going. You I'm, see all
1: these enormous linemen that go into fives. Go. But then you don't realize that even though they're huge, they're actually amazing athletes. So they're still probably faster than you if you're a regular person. And also if you're smaller, you're not covering ground as quickly. Well, I you do a try lot of. Turn as long. I've
0: been, you know, obviously I've been training kickboxing for a while now, so like my like my foot speed is a lot faster than it used to be. So I'm a lot. So I I ran for like I haven't I don't I don't run that much. What are we talking about? I I'm winning the jetpacks factor. Okay, you're winning. I'm, I'm winning the talking, jet going to do it? We're talking this? about my time. We're doing it. We're talking same. about my time. Just I, so we can end on a I Jets think question. I can do under five five. I can be in that five four range. Okay, we're gonna start a a a, a, a movement. All our listeners are gonna submit a 40 or a dash. We'll see who has the fastest. I think I can beat. Mo- well, I shouldn't say most listeners. We had. Uh, we had, when we had DJ um, from the New York Daily News, he was a sprinter at yes. Louisville. So I think if he listens to this podcast, I think he's probably the fastest. But send us your 40-yard dash videos. We'll retweet them. Um, just so we can end on a Jets question. This is one I was thinking about, and I, Michael and I were talking about this um, in, our, in our trip to Syracuse. Um, well, his trip to My Syracuse. Trip. Yeah, I live here. <laughs> um, who do you think plays the Kyle Juszczyk role in this offense because I think you're going to see a little bit more LaFleur than Shanahan personally, Matt LaFleur, because I think I think the personnel just lends it more towards his brother's offense. I think it's going to be Mike LaFleur's offense, yeah. but I don't think there maybe is going to be as much Kyle Juszczyk type of fullback role, but I do think you're going to have to see somebody in that H-back role. It was reported by Tony Pauline, and it does kind of make sense that the Jets were into Ben Mason, who obviously got taken by the Ravens. Like Great fit. Two picks ahead of the Jets. Um so I think there's some some major candidates, and let's go over them. Yeah. And then I want who you think it will be, and then we'll we'll get out of here. The obvious one's Trayvon Wesco cause he's kind of the only one that actually yeah. has we've seen in that H-back role. He's had some flashes, but it's been an underwhelming player, I would say. Tyler Croft, who they brought in mm. um, from the Bills, I think he's a very strong candidate as somebody who can do it. Kenny Yaboa, another guy that they brought yeah. in. Um, and then after that, I don't think, I mean, you could throw in maybe those Ryan Griffins and those Dan Browns or whatever. I think the three right here, and, and I guess I, I was going to say LaMichael Piran. I don't think LaMichael Piron's going to no. bulk up 20 pounds. Nope. Um, the three out of those, which one intrigues you? Which one do you think can do it? Which one do you think they, they'll, they'll go and ultimately go with?
1: I think the interesting thing about making the use check comparisons is that use check is so unique that it's no one's going to do what he does no one comes close to how many catches he gets how many snaps he plays he's in his own arena so unless the jets were going to actually get him i don't think you are going to see anybody play as many snaps as he does or be as involved in the offense because he's that unique of a player um so i do think they are going to use a fullback more than most teams um because a lot of teams just don't use them at all there are probably probably half the league uses it to some extent where you have like a, an employed fullback. Obviously, right. sometimes you'll put your tight end in the backfield, whatever. But like actually having a fullback, it's, there really is probably only 15 or so in the league who actually get regular playing time. So I think they will be one of those teams, but I don't think that that guy is going to touch the ball much or play more than 10, 15 or so snaps a game, mostly just to run block. I think it's going to be Wesco. Um, you, don't, you don't think Croft can do it? I feel like Croft's more of a
0: pure tight end. Like he can play H back. So do you think they, they you think when they go that twelve personnel or twenty two personnel, they're gonna have Wesco in the backfield you think that's Croft and Herndon. Yeah. Is that the end? I, I
1: think you have Croft and uh, Croft as your inline guy, Herndon in on the outside, and then Wesco in the backfield. I think he can do it. He's he hasn't been great so far, but there are flashes, especially when he gets out that of Ravens the Ravens game. Yeah, the Ravens game from twenty nineteen, a lot of good flashes. This year he didn't play as much as the twenty nineteen season, but uh, when he gets on the move is when he's really good. If he's able to get come out of the backfield, go on the edge, get to the second level, he really frames guys well and can actually pancake guys really frequently. I feel like he's not great in the trenches as much. Sometimes he doesn't position himself well, and he can get bulldozed a little bit. But um, out in space, I feel like he's really well, and that's going to fit good in this offense. You look at that Ravens game, that's the best one to look back to if you want to see Wesco's potential. I think I've posted some clips about it um he allowed great blocks in that one I think he does have that potential and also in the receiving game I think there's stuff to work with there in college we saw a lot of him making plays with the ball in his hands in terms of elusiveness he's not a great separator he's not too fast or anything like that but he had really good power with the ball in his hands and underrated shiftiness and he broke a lot of tackles at West Virginia in this last season we haven't seen them try to give him those chances in the league yet So I think that is where he can kind of fill that use check role a little bit. Just, you know, play action, get him in the flat, dump him the ball. I think he can do more with it than guys like Croft could. So I think Wesco is going to be that fullback. I don't think he'll be too involved if he plays well. They can increase it as the season goes on. I think he's more of a fullback. Croft can go in the backfield. He did a lot of that with the Bills, but I think fullback is probably better for Wesco. I'm interested to see how that
0: plays out. I'm just glad we're through the days of Jonathan Harrison lining up in the backfield yes. and yes. taking and taking snaps and trying and to And Lawrence play. Thomas. Oh, I didn't even remember that. Lawrence <laughs> Thomas, Yeah, okay. Co- a converted fullback. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be West Coast. I agree with you. I think that's, you know, not great, but I I think the potential is definitely there. So we'll see it's how it does. Fullback. What's it's, the bar? Yeah. How
1: many teams brag about their fullback? That's not true. many.
0: That's true. All right, I guess we'll get out of here. I think that's that's it for today. Oh, really quickly, I have a quick segment. Top 3 things to know about Michael Nania that I didn't know okay. before meeting him. Let's Number one. Very much into Drake. I was I was kinda of surprised that when he pulled up the music that you were playing, I did not expect it to be Drake. I didn't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't Drake. And what were you expecting? I techno. <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe like a math podcast. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um Leadfoot driving. I mean, okay. Jesus Christ. He almost killed us like three times. I thought Michael was gonna be like the guy who was gonna stop at every stop sign for five seconds and every yellow light slows down. I mean he was flying through yellows. Um if you saw a red Honda just whizzing around Syracuse yes. this weekend. That was my I, right here. yeah. Not very much not what I expected between those two things. And also I didn't really get to see it but we were talking about it and and I have seen it a little bit so this is a, a bit of a cheat. Good at basketball. Wasn't expecting that either. I, I'm, I'm, we don't know if I expected that. So between those three things, yes, I would say I was, I was kind of surprised. But it was nice to have you up here. I'm very glad. We will yeah. do something next fall. We'll probably go to a Jets game, maybe do something for, for Cool Your Jets. So the audio quality on this podcast is obviously going to be way better than our normal ones because we're in person. But at some point in the next year, we will do another one of these. Um, it was great having you up here, Michael. Thank you yeah. to everybody for listening. Thank you to those who submitted questions. You can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Michael, Michael underscore myself at Ben W. Blessington. I'm not allowed to say where you can find this podcast because Michael thinks that's redundant. Yep. But you can leave us a review on iTunes. Um, and you can also go to JetsXFactor.com, which is a great place to find Jets content. That's where all this guy's written work is. Um, Hopefully some from him, too. Yeah, that's That's the hope. Is The goal is that I should be writing more articles a week now um, because I've been lazy. So... Um, look out for that on X Factor.
1: Maybe don't count on it though, because usually when we do these podcasts, like if we're supposed to record at three, that means we're starting at four. Because... <laughs> no,
0: it's like three twenty. It's not that bad. It's yeah. Sometimes my favorite is just when um when Mike when I when Michael's like where are you and I'm like I sent the Zoom link and meanwhile I'm like r- you know racing home or like making myself a sandwich and I'm like no I sent it okay I'll try it again still didn't get it and then yeah you know, wait another ten minutes and I actually send it. It's a it's you know. It's a functioning – it's a functioning – a barely functioning relationship is what I would say for this podcast.
1: Yeah, sometimes that brings out the best. You need a little friction.
0: All right. That's going to do it for us. Um, As always, folks. And, I mean, I think it's probably too late for us considering now here we are in a basement in Syracuse doing a podcast. Our lives are already running. On a a 2-14 football team. But do not – Passed the quickly, down to six seconds,
1: Car going down again, and it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air, picked off, Brian Poole, to the end zone, touchdown. The to beat, and the punter brings him down. Brayden Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right, fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims, what a catch by Denzel Mims.